Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandy, and yesterday we began a two-day series on the difference between a sinner and a carnal believer. Today we're going to talk about Lot, a carnal believer. Lots of problems in his life, but he was still saved. Even though he was carnal, God still redeemed him, brought him out at the time of destruction, and God can do the same thing for you. But God's desire is for you to come back into fellowship with him. We'll talk about what brings real joy into the Christian life. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. It's great to have you here today. And uh, we're going to be taking up a story today about uh, a carnal believer in the Word of God. Carnality has existed. Old Testament and new, and has always been kind of a thorn in the side of believers everywhere. But again, we're going to find out that there's a difference between a sinner and a carnal believer. We're taking up a carnal believer today. Tomorrow, we're going to be taking up uh, one on Naaman the leopard. He was an unbeliever, but became a believer. And often we're going to find the openness of, a, of an unbeliever often is better than whatever little openness there is in a carnal believer. So today we're taking up the story about Lot. This will be in 2 Peter chapter 2. If you want to go ahead and open up your Bibles there, verses 6 through 8 is where we'll be talking uh, in these verses of Scripture. And again, I just want to talk to my those that support me. Thank you so much. You're a blessing to me. And uh, I, I can do it without you. I Listen, I daily make mention of you in my prayers. That's what Paul said about the uh, congregation in Philippi. He made mention of them in, the, in his prayers. I do the same thing. I don't always remember your names, you know, uh, except when I look at lists of them. The list is getting so long, I can't remember everybody. But I simply want you to know something. God knows you by name. He knows the number of the hairs that are on your head. And on top of that, he is more grateful than I am. You think I'm grateful for your giving. God's even more grateful because through your financial giving of temporary money, God is able to get eternal results. And so uh, again, thank you for being a faithful giver into this ministry. Uh, the main ministry I have is raising up disciples. Yes, I love getting people saved, but my most important thing love to do is to see them turn into a disciple because this is still part of the Great Commission. The Great Commission is divided into two areas. Number one is uh, winning souls, and that's preaching the gospel. So going to all the world and preach the gospel, that's found in the book of Mark. But at the closing of the book of Matthew, he mentions also the other half of the Great Commission, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, teaching them. And listen, the new birth is instantaneous. Birthing a baby is instantaneous, but raising them for the rest of their life takes a lot of effort, time. But it's worth it when you see those children grow up to be responsible citizens in this earth. So it is with the kingdom of God. I love to see people saved, but my greatest rejoicing comes is to watch them weeks later when I was pastoring and see their life begin to turn around. They begin to look a little better, begin to act a little better. Their kids become more obedient to the parents. The mom and dad are getting along better. A new job opens up for them. They start giving into the church. They begin to take over positions. They teach children. And I think, man, just a year ago, this guy was just, you know, just born again. He and his family, I remember when they came and received Jesus as Savior. Look what's happening to them. I love to see that. I love to see spiritual growth. That's my main ministry. That's what you're giving into, to help people who probably are already believing become stable. My favorite verse on that is Isaiah 33, 6, that wisdom and knowledge. Wisdom is the output of the word of God. Knowledge is the input of the word of God. 
acting on both of those, knowledge and wisdom. It says, wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times. I love to see believers become stable in this earth. And what the earth needs is not just more believers. It needs more stable believers. That's why I've been raised up. Would you join me? If you're not a partner with me, just simply go to my website, bobyandian.com and say, I identify with that. I would like to become a monthly supporter of his and whatever God lays on your heart or whatever you purpose in your own heart, begin to give into this ministry. Thank you so much. Second uh, Peter chapter two, verses six through eight says this, turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, he condemned them with an overthrow. This is God making them an example unto those who after should live godly. Notice they should live godly. We have a man in there named Lot and he should have been living uh, godly, but he wasn't. Really shouldn't have been in Sodom at the time. But again, it says that God delivered just lot, vexed with the filthy lifestyle of the wicked. I want you to notice something here, and that is carnal believers are always vexed with their lifestyle. Under They might have a, a, a happy attitude on the outside. No, inside they are filled with animosity. They, they are pulled from one side to the other. They're convicted each day over the lifestyle they're living among the wicked and for not standing up for Jesus. Verse eight, for that righteous man, notice that Lot was called a righteous man, dwelling among them, that is among unbelievers, while seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Only a believer can be this miserable. Only a believer can live each day under condemnation from his own heart. Only a believer can be literally more miserable than a sinner and worse than an infidel. We're told in the New Testament of a, a Christian who won't go to work, won't support his family, that he's worse than an infidel. Oftentimes Christians are worse in sinning and fulfill more sin than even an unbeliever does. I've often said this, I think sometimes when a Christian starts to sin, Satan pulls his notepad out and says, man, I never thought of that one. That's really good. In other words, he watches us because I can tell you this, Christians can become creative on how they sin. Pastor for a few years, you can find out that's true among your congregation. But God loved Lot. Abraham loved Lot. And listen, Lot was a great beneficiary of what God had done, but also a great beneficiary of what Abram had done in his life. Mark chapter 4 tells us in verses 18 and 19, and these are those who are sown among thorns, such as hear the word of God, notice this, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lusts of other things entering in, choke the word and becomes unfruitful. These are believers. This is a believer who comes and hears the word of God, but notice this, the cares of the world, that is the problems he's going through. Then the deceitfulness of riches. This verse doesn't say riches are wrong. It says the deceitfulness of riches are wrong. The Bible doesn't say that money is evil. No, but the love of money is the root of all evil. And the lust of other things entering in choke the word, it becomes unfruitful. What a great description of Lot. Lot had made the right choice of heaven or hell, but Lot made the wrong choice between heaven or earth. And while living on earth, he decided to live like the people on earth instead of bringing heaven to earth through his lifestyle. He didn't do it. Lot made a choice for eternal life, but didn't make the choice to make his calling and election sure. That's why we follow the word. This is why we grow and mature in the things of God. James chapter four and verse four tells us, whoever therefore will be a 
friend of the world becomes the enemy of God. Notice this, that the world is the enemy of God. If you as a Christian join the, the ranks of the world and start acting like the world, you become the enemy of God. You are still a child of God, but you are literally making God your enemy. And I'll tell you this, I wouldn't want to fight God. First John 2, 15, if any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. This verse is saying that as a Christian, because he's speaking to believers here, if any believer loves the world system, the love of the Father's not in him. Why? Because we're told in the word of God that God despises the world, the world system. He loves the people of the world. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. That's for the people of the world. It said that whosoever believes in him, but the world system is what God is against because it's backed by the devil. Let's talk about Lot's choices. Prosperity came early in Lot's spiritual walk. The strife could be seen even by the unbelievers around between him and Abraham. Genesis 13, verse two, and then down verses five through 11. First of all, Abram was very rich in cattle, silver, gold, and Lot also who went with Abraham had lots and herds and tents, and the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together for their substance was great, so they could not dwell together. It's not the fact they couldn't get along with each other. They did to a certain degree. No, they both had so much wealth, they were bumping into each other. But let me tell you something, Abraham was satisfied, Lot was not. Satisfaction has to be a choice. And this is what God wants us to be content in life, whether we have a lot or a little. And when you're content, that's what God is looking for. He can trust you with more. And there was a strife between the herdsmen of Abram's cattle and the herdsmen of, of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanites and the Perizzites dwelled in, in the land. And Abram said to Lot, let there be no strife, I pray, between me and you, between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before us? Separate yourself, I pray you. And listen, Abram owned all this land. He said, said, separate from me, I pray you. If you will take the left hand, I will go to the right. If, or if you depart to the right hand, then I'll go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld the waters, the plains of Jordan, well watered. Notice it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you come to Zoar. Then Lot chose all the plains of Jordan and Lot journeyed east and separated themselves one from the other. Here's the point is Lot took the best choice. He didn't look to, for, to be a blessing to Abram. He wanted Abram to be a blessing to him. And no matter how much Lot already owned, he still wanted more. He was possessed by the love of money. Lot had no personal commitment, no personal study, no personal altar time. We're told Abram built an altar the moment he got there, but not Lot. Lot thought he could ride the fence between the Lord and the world. He thought he could handle it. He could tell his family about the Lord, but they could not live for the Lord. And they didn't have fellowship with Abraham or his spiritual influence in the presence and voice of God. So in other words, Lot, although he revered Abram and appreciated him, he revered Abraham for what he could get out of him, appreciated for what he could get out of him. And that's exactly what happened when even he left his own home and followed Abram. So now Lot and his family are all thinking the same way. All of them are lusting after more of the world. And when we live in the world around us, our heart becomes the issue. Lot's heart was not fixed on God. He could not handle Sodom. Abram 
and his heart were fixed on the Lord and he could handle anything. I mean, if you'd have moved Abram in the middle of the city of, of uh, Sodom, Abram would have gone along great with people around him, but he would not have dropped his morals. He would live for the Lord in the midst of all that. Eventually, they would see Jesus Christ through him, but that's not the way it was Lot, with Lot. In fact, probably when the people found out that Lot was a believer, they probably said, we didn't know you were a Christian. What a terrible thing to say to a Christian. Christian, what a terrible thing for a Christian to hear was, I didn't know you were a Christian, to think your life didn't show Jesus Christ at all. You say, well, I'm saying, well, that's one thing. It's one thing to be born again before God. It's another thing to show the new birth in front of the world. This is why we grow. This is why we mature. This is why we become disciples. At first, Lot looked towards Sodom. Then he pitched his tent towards Sodom in chapter 13 and verse 12. And finally, we find Lot in Sodom. This was his movement toward Sodom. His family was being raised in Sodom. His wife shopped with the women of Sodom, no longer with Sarah. Gone was the godly influence of Abraham and his home. Lot thought if he could talk about the Lord and lead a good example in the home, it would be okay. But no, he couldn't even do that. It's not the fact that whatever he had in his home, he brought out there to Sodom. He took Sodom right into the home as the wife did, as the children did. And we find out there was consequences to his choices. Once he was in there, he was taken captive, not by the people of the city. He was taken captive by the sin of the people. And we find that on the inside, he knew he was wrong, but yet he kept doing it. And what happened was his desire to be accepted by people was greater than his desire to be accepted by God. How about you? Think about it. We'll take up Lot when we come back right after halftime, right after the break. And you can find out how you can have this story for yourself. This collection of character studies in the Old Testament by Bob Yandian will encourage and exhort you in your own walk with the Lord. The study focuses on the lives of four Old Testament figures. You will investigate Enoch and how he was pleasing to God and walked with him. You will learn how Caleb remained strong and steadfast and finished his calling. You will see the mistakes of King Saul, who was called as King of Israel, but failed in his calling. And we discover how Lot, even as a righteous man, made some very unrighteous choices. We can learn from each of these Old Testament characters how we may avoid the pitfalls and walk in God's blessings. To order character studies in the Old Testament, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines are demystified. Redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. 
If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. Hi, Pastor Bob. March the 7th through the 9th, I'm having my minister's conference in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Joseph Z will be joining me and I want you to join me too, no matter what phase of ministry you're involved in. March the 7th through the 9th. Again, we find out the problem that Lot had. Lot moved towards Sodom in degrees. Again, when he moved away from Abraham, he got away from that spiritual influence. Now he could have become a spiritual influence of his own. He could have taken the things he learned from Abraham, applied in his life, but he seemed to be better when he was around Abraham because Abraham was the dominant one in presenting the gospel and living by it. At first lot, when he moved away from Abram, looked towards Sodom. The next thing we find out was he pitched his tent facing Sodom. And finally we find him and his family living there. Again, his family was raised in Sodom. All the things he did, his wife shopping, all the things he did for himself, the people he hung around with, the business leaders, those he associated with were all ungodly people. And there was homosexuality there, tremendous amounts of homosexuality there, but he never spoke up against any of it or tried to live apart from it. And so gone was the godly influence of Abraham and his home. And again, all thought, all that Lot probably thought about is maybe we can keep our family all right in here and not even be taken in by the world. We find later that when the uh, uh, two angels came to visit him to try to drag him out of Sodom, the first thing that happened was these men came to the door that wanted those angels. There were men that saw these angels, thought they were just good looking men and wanted to have sex with them. And you know what Lot did? Even offered his daughters to these men to rape rather than come against these angels. We find this is how far down he had gone. And there's always consequences to your choices, all right? There's good consequences for accepting the Lord and following him and walking each day. The blessings of God are the consequences of following God. We often take that word consequences as only evil, but no, it often, it works the other way too. It can work toward good things. But Lot was taken captive. And so we find out there was consequences of his choices. Once he was there, he was taken captive. Sodom was attacked and overrun. Lot and his family were taken captive and led away into slavery. Abraham risked all he had to rescue Lot. Notice this, Abram still loved Lot and his family. And probably one of those that just kept taking it and taking it and taking it and taking his, his riches and giving everything he had to keep giving. And yet it went into somebody that even when Lot came back from slavery and his family back from slavery, they might've been temporarily thankful toward Abraham. But after a while, they went right back into that lifestyle again. Abraham risked everything to rescue Lot, rescued his family and all who were taken captive. When Abraham came back, he was met by Melchizedek and the king of Sodom. Notice when Abraham came back, there were two choices, God and the king of this world. And the king of Salem blessed God and Abraham. This was Melchizedek. But the king of Sodom said, how about this? Give me the people and you can keep the riches. Oh no, this king was smart, but Abraham saw through it. In other words, he appealed to the side of Abraham that might've been wanting to possess the money and that side of him that was again, seeking after money. But no, Abraham was not seeking after the money. He was more in love with people and rescuing people than he was with the money. That's what God looks for in us when we give. Do we care for people? Do we care for God? If so, then he can trust us with it. So the king of Salem asked for the people and Abraham could keep the riches. And Abraham said, no, he gave him the rich 
riches and Abraham kept the people. What the king was thinking is money's just temporary right now. If I have the people, I can keep getting more money. I can put them into slavery. And Abraham knew exactly what would happen to the people. And he simply did that. And God blessed him in the next chapter, chapter 15. Why did the king of Sodom tempt Abraham with riches over people? It's because Sodom was filled with people who thought more of riches than the power of family or others. Why did Lot choose the well-watered plains of Jordan? He cared more about his cattle and income than he did his own family. When Lot was rescued and brought home, he was given a second chance by the Lord to make his life right. He could have told his family they were moving back to the land with Abraham. There was still time to take spiritual leadership in his family, but Abraham fellowship with Melchizedek after the victory and Lot fellowship with the Sodomites. The Sodomites probably congratulated Lot for knowing such a powerful military genius like Abraham. The king probably congratulated Lot also for knowing such a great man and having such a great connection, but none of them wanted the righteousness of Abraham. They just wanted him to be, they wanted to be connected to him for his power and influence. Lot was offered a position in the government of Sodom after that, and he accepted it as the minister of state. Can you imagine? God has rescued him of his own consequences, yet he falls right back into it. Lot had learned nothing. Destruction finally came and Lot's situational ethics had grabbed him by this time. Genesis chapter 19, we're gonna read verses one through 11. There came two angels to Sodom at evening and Lot said in the gate of Sodom, right at the open, this, the word gates of a city represents the fact of government. The gates into the city, not only physical gates, but the entrance into the government. And so he sat there at the gates of Sodom and Lot seeing them rose up to meet them and bowed himself with his face toward the ground. He recognized these as angels. Now the Sodomites didn't, but he recognized them as angels. And he said, behold now my Lord's turn in, I pray you into your servant's house and stay all night and wash your feet so that you can rise up early and go on your way. And they said, no, but we will stay in the streets all night. And he pressed them so greatly that they turned into him and entered into his house. And he made them a feast, baked unleavened bread and ate with them. Before they laid down the men of the city, even the men of Sodom compassed the house around, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they called to Lot, and said to him, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them. In other words, have sex with them. And Lot went out to the door of them and shut the door after him. In other words, squeaked through the door and shut it behind him and talked to these men and said, I pray you brothers, don't be so wicked. Behold now, I have two daughters which have not had sex with them. These are virgins. Let me, I pray you, bring them out to you and do with them as what is good in your eyes. In other words, rape them, do as much as you want to with them. Only to these men do nothing for therefore they came under the shadow of my roof. In other words, what he's saying is you can have these guys but don't, and have my daughters, but you can't have these men. And he said, and you know what the angels would have said? No, the angels would not have wanted him to give his daughters to these uh, homosexuals. Only to those men do nothing, for therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. And they said, stand back. And they said again, this one fellow came into sojourn. He will needs to be judged. Now will we deal worse with you than with them? And they pressed hard on the man, even Lot, and came almost to the point of breaking the door. But the men put forth their hands and pulled Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And 
and they smote the men. These are the two angels. They smote the men outside the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so they became tired trying to find the door. In other words, they faced the wrath of God, and even with that, he didn't want to move. Lot still didn't want to move, did not want to get out there. Again, situational ethics. The family never held a fixed place in the things of God. They were always moving around from place to place, situation to situation, and their morals changed with whatever they went after. They had no sure foundation in themselves. Wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of your times. They truly were saved. They truly had accepted the Lord. In fact, we're told this in the book of of Peter that they were saved, but the point of it is they never became disciples. They never got grounded in the word of God. The object for an unbeliever is to believe in Jesus. But once you get born again, the object of your faith now becomes the word of God. Jesus said to those Jews who just believed in him, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Oh, sure, salvation makes you free before God, but there's a freedom that comes in life, a freedom in your thoughts, a freedom in in standing in front of the world that literally comes only from knowing the word of God and standing on it. Lot's daughters had friends from Sodom. Two of his daughters married men from Sodom. Two lived at home, but were offered as sexual diversions by their father. Lot had a saved soul, but he had a lost life. He hated the city, but did nothing about it. It vexed his righteous soul. Second Peter chapter two and verse eight. Lot's wife and her social life and friends in Sodom, the entire family cared nothing for spiritual values. Lot tried to save his family, but it was all in vain. His testimony never had one supporting lifestyle at all. Everything Lot did, and now that he did, was too late. He had time before this to do it. He woke his two married daughters and told them to run. It says he seemed as one that mocked his sons-in-law, chapter 19 and verse 14 of Genesis. His children looked at him and they said, who are you? Why are you telling this? And in other words, what he was saying was, I've been wrong all this time. They're going, no, no. I mean, dad, you've had plenty of time. Every situation that Lot faced and Abraham showed him the right way to go, he forgot as soon as possible. All he thought about in life was what he wanted. The Bible says in the last days, men will be lovers of self. Boy, is that an example of Lot. We're living in a day today when people are totally self-centered and every sin listed there in Timothy's epistle simply says this, they'll be lovers of self and all of a sudden begin to talk about heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Everything comes from one root sin and that is loving yourself, pride. It's the initial cause of of Satan's fall. He had pride. Oh, he had pride over his money. Money caused it, but it was pride that brought him down. The same thing in our own life when we allow pride toward ourselves. Number one, thinking us. This is exactly what happened a lot. Again, he seemed as one that mocked his sons-in-law, chapter 19 and verse 14. And here we have it again. His kids saw the worst side of him. And in the midst of a time, he should have been taking authority in that home and taking his children away from the things of Sodom. This is what happened. No, the angels had to actually drag the family out. The angels that came 
took his two daughters from their home and they were taken outside the city and then they ran into the hills. Lot's wife died and turned into a pillar of salt. She was taken out of the sea, but she so wanted, despite the horrible things that went on in that, she loved the notoriety. She loved the friends he had. She loved the political position. She loved the fact that her husband was a leader in the city. She loved all those things for the same that it brought to her. It brought to her possessions. It brought to her position. It brought to her wealth. And once she got outside the city. She couldn't stand around. She turned around and looked at that city longingly and suddenly she turned into a pillar of salt. So again, they were taken outside the city. They ran to the hills, but Lot's wife stopped, turned around, turned into a pillar of salt. She could not help but look back longingly toward the city of Sodom. Lot was alone in the mountains with his daughters and while he slept, they committed incest with him and then they became pregnant. I mean, this story just keeps going on and on and on. I mean, they got the point too, where no longer was homosexuality or lesbianism bad. No, now they even came to the point where incest was okay. And again, they had sex with their own father and brought about two terrible races out of that that became great opposers to the kingdom of God, to the nation of Israel, and to the righteousness of God. It simply comes back to this. You have choices to make in your own life. The world out there today is strong in attracting you. All I can say is you let the word of God be stronger in you than when the temptation for life comes to follow after Satan in the world, the temptation to live for Jesus becomes even stronger and you're able to say no to the things of Satan and yes to the things of God. Have a great day. See you tomorrow. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. Join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.